The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 214 of the podcast. You're joining us live on Facebook and YouTube. Today is Saturday, October 24th. We're just a week away from Halloween. We're just two weeks away from our presidential election. And we're just a few hours removed from UFC 254 before we get into any of that. If any of that, besides UFC 254, let me welcome all the way from New Jersey, the man himself, Jeff, the animal, Wilson. Jeff, how you feeling on this Saturday evening, my friend? Phil, I feel great, man. Second week in the row that we're back together. Uh, really excited to be back on the show. And it's a little weird to not be watching UFC right now because I already watched it. Um <laughs> Dude, I, I don't know if it was me, if it was the time, the fact that it was in the middle of the day, but the card felt so much faster. Like when after the main event, I looked at uh, at my clock and it was almost six o'clock and I hadn't felt four hours go by. So I don't know if, you know, the fact that the main card didn't start at 10 o'clock in, in the evening had anything to do with that. But, um, dude, great card overall. And Bill. Before we get too far into it, I know I asked you this before the show. I'm going to ask you again. Um, but in in New Jersey, I just got my mail-in ballot. So everybody go out there and vote this year. Um, but, dude, I got my mail-in ballot. And what they're doing in New Jersey is they have these uh, ballot boxes set up around municipal buildings. So in my town, there's one right in front of town hall where you can fill out your mail-in ballot and then go drop it off right in the in the this ballot box, I guess you can call it, mm-hmm. instead of waiting two weeks for the United States Postal Service to maybe or maybe not get it to where it's supposed to go. Yeah, it, a, a lot of controversy with that, uh, with, with the post office stuff. Um, you know, the president was talking about cutting, cutting funding, and they were saying, you know, maybe the ballots wouldn't get in on time. But, of course, if you if it's postmarked by a certain date, your vote has to count. So, you know, the results of the election could be postponed a few weeks if they have to wait uh, for all the ballots to get in. Uh, what you're describing sounds like there's just a nonprofit organization in your area that kind of organized that. Uh, but, yeah, I definitely encourage everybody to get, get out there and vote. And uh, don't, don't feel any social uh, pressure for who you should be voting for. You know, research the issues. Uh, look into your local elections as well, electing your local officials, uh, and, and make sure that you are electing a person who best represents the needs of you and your family. And don't worry about anything else. Don't worry about uh, you know what people are saying on social media or uh, or regular media for that matter. Uh, you, you know, look into the issues that affect you directly. Uh, from the local level all the way up to the presidential level, and um, and, and do what's best for you and your family. And, and, and I'll leave it at that. I, I don't want to get too political on here. 
I know it's a it's a sore subject for a lot of people, uh, so we'll stay away from that. But um, you know, I, I definitely do encourage that you do your civic duty and uh, and vote. Uh, so and clean up after your dogs too. <laughs> Sick yeah. and tired of that shit. Yeah, vote vote for whoever encourages uh, uh, curbing your animals. Uh, I want to apologize off the bat if there are any audio uh, discrepancies. I am sitting on a balcony with a fan over me, and there's a fountain in the background. I am at a hotel right now. Uh, we came out to Orlando for the weekend, celebrate the wife's birthday. Jeff, we went to uh, Animal Kingdom yesterday disney's animal kingdom here in orlando florida tomorrow we're going to go to epcot and uh drink some beers around the world it's going to be uh, a nice weekend but uh unfortunately I, I didn't have you know the luxuries of my podcast studio uh along with me i wasn't planning on doing an episode until i was facetiming with you last night and uh <laughs> and we said hey we might as well do it since it's an early early part we'll do it tomorrow night uh so here we are and i am drinking some heaven hill bourbon seven years aged bottled in bond uh i i know i said i wouldn't bring up politics or the government or anything anymore but the bottled in bond act one of the single greatest achievements of our fine american government it's actually a law that in order to be labeled bottled in bond the whiskey has to be aged a minimum of four years, uh, and it has to be bottled at 100 proof. Uh, so this Heaven Hill is one of my top five favorite bourbons. Uh, it's a really nice, smooth sip, especially for a 100 proof bourbon. Um, and, yeah, that's what I'm enjoying sipping on this evening, Jeff. What's going on in your world, bud? Well, Bill, besides the madness of virtual and hybrid teaching at the same time. I'm just drinking some Poland Spring. You heard me uh, slurping this down before the show. But, um, Bill, it was the wife's birthday last night. But, Bill, it's a very special birthday for me tomorrow because it's your birthday tomorrow. <laughs> so, happy early birthday, brother. You know, I, you know, nothing but positive vibes for you and the family. I've always, you know, hoping that you guys are blessed down there. So, Bill, happy early birthday. I'm glad that we're able to get a show in because I know you guys are going to be super busy tomorrow. Well, thanks, Jeff. I appreciate that. Um, so, yeah, uh, 36 years young tomorrow, October 25th. Um, feeling pretty good, man. Uh, uh, I'm starting to starting to drop some of the, the extra – extra quarantine weight, starting to get back in the gym, get some sparring, uh, keeping up with these young kids. Um, but I feel every, every bit of 36, good, probably a little <laughs> bit older than that. Um, I, I had the grand luxury of my birthday comes two days after the wife's. So my birthday just becomes an extended celebration of hers, which is fine with me because, you know, all, all I want is, uh, is to have, uh, happy family and, uh, and good times. Uh, so wife's happy, daughter's happy. All I need is a little bit of bourbon. I'm happy. Uh, I'm easy to please, Jim. So, uh, yeah, we're having a good time, man. And uh, I, I appreciate the birthday wishes. And uh, what do you say we uh, celebrate by talking about some 
violence here. Let's do it. Sounds like a plan to me. This was an awesome card, Bill. But, Bill, where do you want to start? I feel like we could start. Okay, I didn't. I wasn't able to watch too much of the prelims, but the whole main card more than made up for it. So, Bill, I'm good to start wherever you want to start with this main card here. I, I think we have to start with the biggest story, and that's Habib Nurmagomedov with the second-round submission victory over Justin Gaethje. Um, just so dominant. And, uh, you know, leaving the gloves in the cage at the end of the fight and the emotional retirement. But um, let, let's talk about the actual performance itself. Um, it seems like Khabib just has this presence that shakes guys in there um, because he wasn't doing a whole lot, but he threw Gaethje off his game quick. You know, Gaethje came out in a different stance. He was crouched over trying to defend the takedown. He did land some big leg kicks that, that looked like they really hurt Khabib. Um, you know, they were icing his leg between the first and second round and, and uh, it seemed to really throw off his balance. Khabib not big on checking leg kicks either. So he, he took the full force of those. And for those who don't know what I'm talking about, um, take a heavy object, like say this glass, right, and drop it into your hand. Make sure there's nothing in the glass. Drop it into your hand, and it doesn't really hurt. Now put your hand on the table and drop the same glass on your hand, and it'll hurt. And essentially, that's what it feels like when you don't check a leg kick um, because you have so much weight on that leg. Uh, it, it just really increases the impact of what hitting the leg. But when you lift your leg off the ground, it takes so much force off of it because your leg's not being kicked into another surface. Uh, it, it's free to, to, to swing. Uh, and, and it really takes so much pain off that leg. Kick. But, uh, you know, Gaethje just wasn't his, himself in there, man. I mean, he was patient. He was kind of picking his shots, but he was way off. He didn't look nearly as clean as he's looked in the past couple of fights, especially uh, the Tony Ferguson fight. Uh, he, he wasn't throwing as accurate. He didn't want to get near Khabib. Um, so I don't know if he was like spooked or if it's like once you get in the cage with Khabib, he just has this energy that throws you off your game plan. But whatever it is, man, um, he's he's a special once in a lifetime talent in there. Uh, you know, whether you want to credit uh, the grappling or you want to credit, you know, like the Mike Tyson effect he seems to have on these guys when they get in the cage. Uh, there's just something really, truly special about seeing the guy perform in there. And then to, to finish with a triangle, um, and, and I want to talk about the, the missed tap by Jason Herzog as well, but um, I want to focus on the performance by Khabib first. To finish with a triangle choke, just something like you would never expect to see from him. Um, you know, being a, such a heavy top pressure guy, to go for the mounted triangle and roll over onto his back to finish the last fight of his career. Um, to, to me, that was a really special exclamation point on the performance. Uh, so just give me your thoughts on the, on the fight so far, Jeff. And, and did I point anything out that uh, you maybe hadn't thought about? No, um, you know, I, I just like how you mentioned Khabib's presence because Gaethje, you know, he didn't come out 
with confidence like he did against Tony Ferguson. You know, he was, like you said, his hips were way back, you know, uh, really, really far from the line of his shoulders. And he was just winging those punches in the first round. And a lot of them landed. Uh, Khabib took some tough shots, especially the leg kicks. I really liked um, Gaethje's use of the leg kicks. I thought that it was going to stifle Khabib's movement a little bit. I think I thought that it would make him... Uh, not move around too well, which we saw that in the first round, uh, especially towards the end of the first round, right before uh, he took that shot when Gaethje was up against the cage. Um, Khabib, you know, he was favoring that that lead leg. You know, uh, you know, there were a couple of steps that he took that looked a little looked a little bit slower, a little bit labored. Um, but man, you know, Khabib, right from the get, you know, he just pressured Justin into the right up against the cage, you know, just walked him down. And, you know, I, I felt like Gaethje did considerably better in that first round than guys like Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier have done uh, in the first round against Khabib. You know, usually um, a lot of guys are so intimidated by the wrestling that they're getting peppered with shots. And uh, man, I was liking Khabib's jab too, you know, um, I would have liked the fight to stay on the feet a little longer because I was really liking Khabib's jab as well. But, dude, um, you know, so just something different from Khabib today, man. Uh, in the second round, when he went for the shot, Gaethje did a great job of sprawling. And I loved what Khabib did, man. Uh, used the sit-out. Some people call that a peek-out where he kind of just turned the corner, uh, came back up, and jumped on Gaethje's back, dude. And we saw that triangle attempt from the top in the first round. And Bill, to me, it looked like he was going for an arm bar and like he wasn't setting it up correctly. Usually when you set up the arm bar, you want to sit right on the person. Whereas Khabib was sitting down uh, so that his butt was in line with, was, uh, was perpendicular to Gaethje's body. So I didn't know what he was going for at first, but I guess Gaethje just uh, had it scouted, was able to kind of roll out of it at the end of the first round. But in the second round, man, uh, when I saw Khabib go to his back, I thought he had messed up an arm bar. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I was like, oh, man, Gaethje's going to take advantage of this. And then I noticed that Gaethje's arm is caught in between Khabib's legs as well as he's setting up the triangle. And, Bill, I love what Khabib did, man. When Gaethje went to lift him, Khabib immediately uh, went with his free arm and hooked Gaethje's leg so that he couldn't elevate Khabib up into the air to drop him on his head and yeah. the pressure was just too much man um you know uh he was tapping pretty frantically but that that triangle had to be so tight at that point because Herzog was off by maybe like a second or two and Gaethje was immediately out so great work from Khabib man super impressed Bill I'm a big fan of Khabib I like how humble he is um and I, I wanted to see 30 and 0. I wanted him to fight Michael Chandler and then ride off into the sunset. I don't think I'm going to get it. And Khabib's not going to get off the couch for Poirier or McGregor. He's choked the both of them out. Not interested in that fight. But I love that he's honoring his mother and his, and his late father, um, you know, by saying, by telling the world that uh, he promised his mother that he wouldn't do this without his father in his corner. Uh, so uh, I know that was a little long-winded. But you know, I I'm just, I was just so excited for this fight, man, and so so surprised by the outcome. I felt like we saw a different dimension to Khabib's game what, by him, you know, uh, finishing a submission from his back. I've never seen that in the UFC. Yeah, yeah. So uh, comment from Robert Taylor here. He says 
Habib rolling over onto his own back for the triangle is the only time he's been on his back in his career. Uh, that may be accurate. Uh, I, I remember Glyson Tebow did take him down in their fight, uh, but I, he, he didn't hold him down on his back for very long. So uh, it, it's not too far of a stretch to say that, that was the only time he's on his back in his career. And, and it was because he went there willingly. Yeah, a lot to unpack with what you said, Jeff. Um, I, I think it was a, a good breakdown of the jujitsu. Um, uh, or grappling because Khabib doesn't even consider what he does to be jujitsu. Um, uh, yeah, that triangle was super tight. I was disappointed in Jason Herzog because he let Justin Gaethje uh, go unconscious there. He didn't have to. Um, and all due respect to Jason Herzog, I think he is probably the best referee in the game. Uh, it, it's between him and Keith Peterson for me. Um, a lot of people say Herb Dean, but uh, you know you hear Herb Dean. Uh, come up uh, more often than, than most with uh, some some pretty substantial mistakes. I, I think Jason Herzog is consistently one of the best in there, but he was looking right at what was happening, and it's almost like he was looking past it uh, because Gaethje was tapping furiously, and, and Herzog let him go out. And I know there's this belief, especially in the jiu-jitsu community, like there's no long-term damage from going unconscious from a choke. Uh, because you're just stopping the blood flow of your brain, and once you, you know, once you take the pressure off that carotid artery, the blood goes to your brain and turns back on again. But there's no scientific evidence that there's no long-term damage from going unconscious from a choke. Um, I'm I'm a pretty rough guy, Jeff. Um, uh, I, I've been training a long time. I've gone unconscious myself uh, a fair share of times, but I'm not willing to concede that there's no long-term damage to it. And you even heard Gaethje saying this at the end of the fight. He's like, oh, I'm glad I just got choked out because there's no long-term damage. Um, we don't know that scientifically. We only know that there's no short-term damage because you can get choked out and then, you know, continue rolling in a jujitsu gym uh, minutes later. Uh, so we know that there's no short-term effects, but you are turning your brain off for a few seconds. Uh, let, let's not pretend like this is not a big deal or there's potentially no long-term consequences because there very well could be. So I'm not willing to say like, Oh, it's no big deal. He, he just went unconscious. He didn't have to is the bottom line. And, and again, I'm a big fan of Jason Herzog. I think he's one of the best, you know, if, if I were going to be fighting in the UFC, I would want him roughing my fight even after what I saw. But um, I, I can't undermine what a mistake he made there. Like, uh, Gaethje did not have to go unconscious, and he did. Um, you know, that was a tight triangle, and a, and a few seconds could, could be um, could, could be a, a big deal. And, and our buddy Mark from Australia, who, you know, Australia had some big wins on this card, uh, says that he must have been confused thinking that Gaethje was actually tapping. And that's fair. And I, I think we saw some glaring holes in Justin Gaethje's game uh, in this fight as well. Uh, because when he was on the ground on his back, he seemed lost. Uh, you know, yeah. Khabib was able to mount him. Uh, you know, Cormier was even kind of narrating what Khabib was going to do. He's like, oh, he's going to turn his legs this way, and then Gaethje's going to try and, uh, you know, tabletop. And if he doesn't, he's going to mount him. Oh, I mounted him. Um, it, it seems like Gaethje didn't really know what to do down there. And, you know, the rumor is that he doesn't train jiu-jitsu he's just one of these like tough guys like well you're not going to get me down um 
but you know, when you run into a guy who gets you down, then what are you going to do? Like, you got to have at least a little bit. Um, so I think that's bad news for Gaethje's career going forward. Um, that, that he's shown those holes. Um, and, and especially that he was able to have his back taken uh, off that takedown. You know, he, like you said, he did a good job defending the takedown, but then he, he had his back taken off of that double leg. Uh, not good, you know, <laughs> especially for, you know, such a high-ranking fighter. Um, but now let's get, that, get to uh, Kavi's retirement. Obviously very emotional uh, in victory. Uh, of course, this was his first fight since the passing of his father, Gumanov Nurmagomedov, and he promised his mother that he would never fight without his father in his corner, but he had already committed to this fight um, before the passing of his father, so he said, I'm going to do this, and then that's it, and this is my last fight, and uh, I, I believe him, Jeff. It's not like, oh, you know, this is my last fight, unless you're going to give me GSP, um, no, that's not it. That's not going to happen with Khabib. He's, he says he's done. He said he gave his mother his word. Um, that's it, man. Don't expect to ever see that guy get back in there. And he's earned that. You know, he doesn't know anything to any fans or, or anybody waiting in line to fight him. You know, Tony Ferguson. Uh, whatever you wanted from Khabib does not matter. Uh, because he has earned the right to to take his own path and, and to get out of this game um, the way that he wants to and the way that he feels honors his family. Uh, so, you know, I'm not going to be a hypocrite, Jeff. I was telling everybody before, you know, you should vote for the way that benefits you and your family. Um, uh, same thing with your career. You should handle your career in the way that benefits you and your family. Um, and, and Anybody else's uh, hopes or desires don't really matter when it comes to that. Um, I, I thought it was a really interesting dichotomy to see a guy who is such a stone-cold killer. Um, you know, we've seen this guy show uh, no emotion over 29 fights, except for getting angry after the Connor fight, jumping over the cage, and, you know, cursing at a, at a few journalists, but... Uh, for the most part, zero emotion. And it all came pouring out of him at the end of this fight, uh, you know, with the passing of his father, with the retirement, with the, the way he won the fight. Um, I understand he was battling some sickness and some injuries in the training camp leading up to this fight, which, um, it, you know, that happens. Um, but the amount of emotion we saw out of a guy who seemed to be so emotionless, uh, it was really a beautiful thing. I thought it was a great way for him to go out on top. Uh, he's definitely going to go down in the history books as one of the greatest to ever do it. And, uh, yeah, man, thanks. Take a deep for, for all the memories, for all the outstanding fights, and for just being so such a dominant force that, you know, people are going to be making comparisons to him for a long time to come. Uh, any other thoughts on this, Jeff? Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. You know, it was it was definitely special seeing Habib, you know, break down after that fight. And just, you know, for him, you know, because he was already in, in fight camp when his father passed. So, you know, to see the hyper focus in him, to stay so focused on this fight. And then, you know, once the job was done, being able to mourn his father a little bit 
and you know kind of deal with with that emotion that he probably had bottled up for for a while like you said uh you know it was definitely special i think it makes him more relatable you know because we've seen him in there like you said man a stone cold killer except for for the whole uh conor mcgregor thing but but he you know conor gets under everybody's skin but dude uh yeah for me it was definitely special and you know i i think there's no shame in in him breaking down like that you know he's human um and jason herzog's human too that's why i'm not too upset you know it, it was a it, it was a mistake but you know live and learn uh, everybody gets one at least but yeah dude so so happy for khabib that he's going out on top he's going out 29 and 0 and dude some you know some some awesome memories um and you know i try to incorporate you know, what I, what I see from Khabib, I try to use that in the gym sometimes, you know, when I do have time to train, um, you know, like I love, I love that leg lace he does where he triangles his legs while, mm -hmm. while, while having another person's legs uh, in between them to hold them down. I try to use that whenever I can. It's just, you know, some of the stuff that Khabib does in there, man, definitely good to incorporate uh, the Dagestani handcuff, definitely something to, to use in your arsenal if you're a big grappler. But yeah, man, thanks to Khabib for the memories, if you ever listen to this show. Yeah, for sure. And it's it, it's a puzzle that nobody's ever going to have the opportunity to solve. You know, nobody's going to figure out a way to beat him. Uh, but people are going to be emulating his style, for sure, for years to come. And uh, I'm sure his his impact on the sport uh, it is not yet finished. I'm sure he's going to go on to coach uh, like his father did Um uh, he, he's going to be around cornering his 50 cousins and, and Islam Makachev and, and, and all these other guys. Um, you know, we haven't seen the last of Khabib's imprint on this sport for sure. We've just seen the last time he's actually going to physically fight in the cage. Um, and yeah, like you said, the, the leg triangling, it, it makes sense because he's always, he, he does always use his legs to trap his opponents. So it makes sense that he has a good triangle choke. Um, but yeah, a lot of great memories from Khabib and, um, you know, looking forward to seeing what happens with this lightweight division, man. Uh, personally, I would like to see a tournament. Uh, you know, you have one of the most stacked divisions in the whole sport. I, I'd say just set up a really fun bracket. You know, don't worry about the rankings or anything like that. Just make the most fun matchups possible. You don't need to crown a champion right away. Let's have some fun with this. Let's have a lightweight tournament. Um, you know, you could easily put eight guys together. You know, you've got, you've got Gaethje, you've got Kevin Lee, you've got Tony Ferguson, you've got Ally Aquinta. You've got so many uh, talented guys in this division. Um, you know, finding eight of them, it, the only problem would be picking only eight. Um, so you got Michael Chandler now. Um, that's what I want to see. I don't want to see, like, oh, well, we need to – this title's vacant now. We need to fill it right away like they did with the Bantamweight title. I, I want a tournament, Jeff. Uh, that's what I want. I think it's the only right thing to do. I think it's the only right way to really crown a champion uh, because how do you take it, you know, are, are you going to put Justin Gaethje in there with, with somebody else who maybe all already lost to Khabib? Like, are you going to take Dustin Poirier, uh, you know, if he beats Connor? Um, it, you know, I'd say take the take the Poirier McGregor fight, make that the first one of the first fights of the tournament, kick off a tournament here, um, and, and crown a champion like maybe late summer. Um, 
I don't know. That's what I'd like to see. Thoughts? No, dude, I love that idea. Throw in Edson Barbosa, you know, bring him back up to 155. You know, now that um, that Khabib, you know, is is hanging up the gloves, I love it, dude. I think that's an awesome idea. Um, I'm trying to think of who else you could get in there. Uh, like you said, Michael Chandler. Yeah, and like, you know, just eight fun, exciting fighters just duking it out. Dan Hooker. Yeah, yeah, Dan Hooker, throw him in there too. Man, uh, yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. I actually really like that idea. Um, Paul Elder. As, yes, yeah. There's a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun things you could do. Obviously, Poirier, you know, uh, I don't know how McGregor would feel about uh, entering a tournament, but, you know, if he's up for it, throw him in there too. Uh, it, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of ways you could do it. What I don't want to see is, like, Oh well, Gaethje lost was the last one to lose to him. Uh, let's have him fight, you know, Poirier again. And like, we need a champion right away. I I disagree with that. I like the way like Bellator does that. And, and Pride used to do it when they had a vacant title. They're like, all right, let's grab these eight guys and they gotta fight it out and figure it out. Not like, all right, let's get one main event out of this and, and put a belt around somebody immediately. Um, I'm not a fan of that strategy, but I'm not the one writing the checks, Jeff. But I do have a voice in this space, so figure might as well put it out into the universe what I would like to see. Yeah, for sure, dude. And, Bill, what I would like to see is Robert Whitaker get back in that cage sooner rather than later, maybe like early 2021. Um, you know, because uh, after his wife uh, gives birth. But, dude, what an exciting fight, man. For me, Whitaker versus Cannoneer was fight of the night, Billy. Mm. Yeah, it was a great fight. Um, I My problem with this fight was, um, it, you know, it was exciting, but if this was a, a number one contender eliminator, it, this fight was so full of technical deficiencies on both sides. Um, you know, Robert Whitaker is a fantastic fighter, but he just gets hit so much. Um, you know, he has this style where he comes forward and he'll take your best shots so that he can give you his, um, and it, against, a, a, against a technician, like the champion Israel Adesanya, that's just never going to work, man. Um, and, and the same with Jared Cannonier. I, I think if Jared Cannonier just came out there and, and fought his fight, he would have had more success against Whitaker, but he came out fighting in that southpaw stance and it looked so forced because every time Robert Whitaker hit him and knocked him back, he went right back to orthodox. And then it was like, he realized like, Oh wait, my game plan is to fight southpaw. And he would switch back. And he was having a lot of success um, with that switch kick to the late, to the uh, lead leg of Whitaker, which is why he was fighting in that southpaw stance. It was a big part of his game plan. Um, but there was a point, you know, somewhere around the second round where I wanted to, I was just kind of I was watching on my computer. I was yelling at my computer for him to just stop, go back to orthodox and, and, you know, try and take Whitaker's head off because you know, Whitaker will get hit. He'll take a shot to give a shot. That's just the kind of fighter he is. And I thought he would have had a lot more success doing that. Um, and in the process, it looked like he had his orbital fractured. Um, he got dropped big time in that third round. Um, but there is no quit Jared Cannonier, man. That guy is so tough. Uh, 9.9 out of 10 people would would give up in that situation. 
uh, you know, where he got dropped, his face was broken, Robert Whitaker raining down punches, but nope, he recovered guard, he even got back to his feet, and he was still swinging in the last 30 seconds of that fight. Uh, so impressed with the heart of Jared Cannonier, but yeah, as far as this fight goes, um, I can't see either one of these guys getting in there without Asanya anytime soon uh, with the styles that they fight with. Uh, now, if you were going to tell me Whitaker would get in there and and try and clinch out Asanya and wrestle him and dirty box him and, and not try to go tit for tat with him, uh, you know, then you're talking about a different story. But there, I just can't see how you can guarantee that. And after the way the first fight went, I, I just don't see much different results. So it's a really tough spot because you have two really tough, talented guys who put on an awesome fight in a co-made event. And, and and Whitaker didn't even call out the champ. Um, he didn't even say that he wanted to get back in there at the Adesanya. He said he wanted to take a vacation, spend time with his kids, which I get. But, um, you know, you've you got to make a case for why you deserve to get back in there for that title. And, and I don't feel like Robert Whitaker did that. Uh, so I don't think you could put him in that situation. Um, Jeff, I know you had to step away for a minute, but I was just saying – I don't see how you can justify putting Whitaker back in there without Asanya after what we saw for him and after him not even asking for the title shot and saying he's going to take some time off. So what do you think? Yeah, man. Uh, I don't think you give the sh the title shot to Whitaker. You know, it's still pretty fresh in my mind uh, what happened when Whitaker fought Adesanya the first time. Uh, you know, that style, uh, like you said, taking, uh, taking a punch to give a punch, uh, it didn't work for... Uh, the counter-striking of Adesanya, you know, he's just too on target, you know, he's like a sniper, man, picks his shots really well, um, and, you know, by the time you've landed one punch, Adesanya has responded with two, and probably a leg kick at some point, so, you know, um, I, you know, this was a really enjoyable fight, um, you know, credit to Jared Cannonier, uh, so much heart and guts in him, and, like you said, man, most, I think most fighters would have, I think most people would have crumbled under that pressure. Um, and, you know, there were things I liked. I liked from uh, Jared Cannonier, the leg kicks. I thought they were working really well. Yeah. The only problem was Whitaker's speed um, when throwing that jab, man. Um, you know, DC pointed out. Uh, DC pointed out that he was thrown from the hip, so he would keep his hand down and then immediately lift his hand up for the jab. Uh, against Adesanya, that's not going to work, man. Adesanya, um, he'll throw two hooks uh, where where you drop that hand. So and and you know right on the chin too. So um, you know it's it's an exciting style. I love watching Robert Whitaker go to work. He's one of the toughest guys in the middleweight division. You know, that's why he was champ. Uh, that's why he went through those wars with y'all Romero. And um, I can't remember who else. I think I think it's the only person. I think it was those back-to-back -back fights with Romero, which I think, Bill, I still think that took a lot out of him. I think that shortened his career, those two fights with y'all Romero. Yeah. Um, but, dude, uh, yeah, I think uh, I, I don't see Whitaker getting another shot at the champ. You know, I'm glad uh, he got a huge win. You know, Jared Cannonier is a really tough dude in, in this uh, in this middleweight division. Um, but, yeah, I mean, 
I, I think that style, I think Adesanya just chews him up all over again. I mean, he did it to uh, Paulo Costa, who I thought Costa was going to go at least five rounds with the champ. But yeah. um, Adesanya, you know, that counter striking, I think it's just too much to handle. Uh, and, you know, if Whitaker fights like that with his lead hand low, uh, I think Adesanya chews him up all over again. Yeah, yeah. And it's tough because Whitaker's so good, man, and he has so many tools and he's such a well-rounded fighter. But, um, it, you know, he's just too tough for his own good sometimes is what it boils down to. You know, he wants to take your best shot to get his, and uh, that's not the way to go without Asanya. What I see for the middleweight division is it's probably going to get put on hold. Uh, I think they're probably going to rush that super fight between Adesanya and Jones. I don't know what they're going to do for the fact that it can't be for a title. Um, maybe they introduce a new weight class at 225 or something like that. Um, but I, I think that they're going to go a different direction with Adesanya, uh, being that Cannoneer didn't win. Uh, Whitaker versus Costa is a fun fight, uh, although not very sustainable for, for Whitaker's career since he, you know, he likes to take the big shots to give him. I think Cannoneer versus Costa would be a fun fight as well. So there's a lot of fun fights you could do. At, at middleweight, and then you know you have Chamayev creeping up uh, in that division as well. Even though his next fight's going to be a welterweight, um, but you know he's fastly rising in that division. Uh, I, I could see them sticking him in there with the champ uh, sooner than later. Uh, but you know we'll see. Uh, all right, we spent almost forty minutes on just two fights, Jeff. So let, let's uh, let's cruise through the rest of this main card here. Alexander Volkov with the quick finish. Um, over Wall Harris, second round TKO, just that nasty front kick right to the diaphragm, and you you heard you, you heard almost like the soul leaving Wall Harris with that shot. Um, and and this is what we've been missing from Volkov is that heavyweight power, um, and, and he showed that he can actually uh, you know get the job done in there. Uh, and I said last week that if the fight ended early, I saw it being Wall Harris because he had the knockout power, but uh, Volkov proved me wrong. Um, I, I thought it was a really clean performance for him. Um, second week in a row, we've seen that diaphragm shot uh, in, in a fight-ending sequence. We saw it last week with Jessica Mandraj and uh, against Kim Chukagian. It's just nasty, man. When you get hit like right below the sternum, it it doesn't just knock the wind out of you. It it shuts your body down. Uh, for anybody who's never been hit there. Um, it, it, it's hard to describe. It, it's like when, when you can't do anything but keel over, um, you know, it's just done. And I, I thought Volkov looked good. Give me your thoughts, kid. Yeah, Bill, I agree with you 100%. And to add on to what you're saying about that diaphragm shot, dude, you know, you're, you can't help but be killed over, like you said. And I'm sure Walt Harris's mind wanted to just pop back up and keep fighting, but his his body just couldn't, man. Uh, if you, like you said, man, that shot to the diaphragm, dude. Oh man. It just like, it just makes you want to hit the floor. Like not even voluntarily. It just makes your body like just immediately go into that, like, um, groggy position. But man, uh, you know, tough, tougher, tough guy, Walt Harris, he'll bounce back for sure. Um, but yeah, I, like I said last week, man, I just thought Alexander Volkov had too many tools in his locker for Walt Harris here. Yeah, yeah, that's that's essentially what it came down to. Sorry, I got distracted while you were talking there because uh, my beautiful wife just walked out onto the patio with a bottle of bourbon. Um, 
So, so two things that it, it would be impossible for you to keep my attention, Jeff. Uh, a beautiful woman and and bourbon whiskey, and uh, she came out here with this walking stick, uh, ninety proof bourbon, and uh, I'm sorry, Jeff. You know, normally you would you would be uh, at the top of my priorities list, but there's no way for you to compete there. <laughs> Bill, I don't even blame you, man. But why at this point I just poured some more of this Heaven Hill, so I don't know if I just like down this or if I just if I just take this take this right to the face from the bottle. I'm just gonna pour this into another glass here. That'll be that early in your birthday celebration. All right. Where were we? Bill, we were talking about fast finishes here. And Bill, I don't think anybody was faster on this card than Phil Hawes. Yeah. making his UFC debut, um, knocking out Jacob Malkoon, who actually trains with Robert Whitaker. So I, I thought Malkoon was going to come in here and, and make this a dogfight, man. But Phil Hawes just would not have any of it, landing some really hard shots and getting in there, getting the job done quick, man. Jacob Malkoon, I think he was out on his feet before he hit the ground. Um, and, Bill, fun fact about Phil Hawes, he actually trains um, out of the northern part of New Jersey. Uh, he's fr He actually trains out of North Bergen, which I didn't know this. Bill, that's where I grew up, so... Really interesting. Uh, I'd never heard of Phil Hawes before. Apparently, one of my friends on Facebook is friends with Phil Hawes' coach. So it's, it's a small world, man. I'm super happy for this guy. I'm definitely going to keep an eye out for him. And I need to find out where his gym is. I, I want to go, like, you know, not sign up for it, but definitely go check it out at least once. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he, he had a quick knockout on Dana White's Contender Series. Yeah. Uh, Week six of the most recent season, uh, and yeah, I I went to pour myself a beer and I came back and he was walking around the octagon and I was like, oh good, the fight hasn't started yet. And then, and then I'm looking and I was like, oh wait, the other guy's on the ground. <laughs> it's already over. <laughs> um, yeah, really impressive power. And what was more impressive from Hawes is. Uh, not only did he murder this guy in 18 seconds <laughs> of the first round, um, he goes in and, and gets interviewed by John Anik, and he's talking like he just won like a golf tournament. He's like, "Yeah, well, I really expected him to come out there." It's like, dude, you just almost murdered a man. <laughs> like, that's a scary individual, and I I just have to take a break from that and, and tell you that this walking stick single barrel is actually phenomenal. Um, so. Um, it, it's got like a real sweetness up front to it. And uh, it, it, it kind of like, it mellows out for 90 proof. It doesn't burn at all. You guys are getting a, getting a lot of uh, whiskey feedback, a lot of good recommendations on this episode. And Mark said that Malcolm looked good during his walkout. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, he didn't walk out of the arena on his own court. <laughs> so it was the only walkout he had that night. But yeah, man, Hawes is a beast. Um, I, I imagine they're, they're probably going to have a quick turnaround for that guy. Um, you know, 18 seconds is a short night's work. Uh, they may not even fly him back to New Jersey. But yeah, Jeff, if you end up getting the opportunity to get down there and get some training with him, uh, keep us posted for sure. 
Bill, I didn't say I want to train with that animal. Did you see what he did to that other guy? I'm not training with him. I just want to go see what his jib looks like. Hey, you remember this. You're the animal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bill, but I might end up with my head on that guy's headboard if, if I train with him. The dude's a monster, man. But, uh, For sure. Yeah, definitely somebody to keep your eye on. Uh, I'm definitely going to keep my eye on him, <clears throat> not just because he's a local, but uh, I was just really impressed with his performance, man. That was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he looked great. Um, that was that was super impressive. The guy carries a lot of power um, and, and not super experienced, only like his 10th fight. Uh, so definitely somebody to keep an eye on. Uh, Lauren Murphy making quick work of uh, Lilia Shakirova. Uh, who was a last-minute replacement? I don't even know where they where they brought her in from, but they they got her on Fight Island on, on just a few days' notice. And credit to Laura Murphy, um, you know she's a she's a fighter's fighter. Got in there, second round submission, Renee can choke. She looked good. Um, any thoughts on that one, Jeff? Yeah, um, I thought Lauren Murphy did well in the grappling department. Uh, you know, because uh, that's what. Uh, this uh, this fighter, uh, Shakarava, is known for. She's a good wrestler. Uh, but, you know, once they hit the ground, uh, Lauren Murphy just able to take control of the fight. Uh, and, you know, her, her rear naked choke looked good, Bill. Um, she was doing this thing that you don't see too many UFC fighters do. But when she was finishing the choke, Lauren Murphy actually put um, her higher leg on uh, her opponent's hip. And put pressure on the hip to really stretch out the spine and just uh, finish that choke really, really well. Um, yeah, so really, really nice finish from Lauren Murphy. Really technical rear naked choke. I love seeing that. Um, you know, it, when when somebody puts their hip, their foot on your hip to finish the rear naked choke, it just it, it makes it so much more uncomfortable. So good stuff from Lauren Murphy. Getting your first UFC win, Bill. Uh, sub, first UFC submission. I apologize. I was gonna say, yes, yeah, Lauren Murphy's been around for a while. I thought um, her name was Barbara. What? Don't you remember when uh at the when she uh when she won her um her Ultimate Fighter fight? Uh, everybody called her Barbara on the show, and then uh, I think it was John Anik who interviewed her, and she, he called her Barbara too, and then she was like, "It's Lauren." You don't remember? Come on, Bill. I you don't. remember. I, it's, it's starting to ring a bell now. Bill, but. you remember. You remember how forgettable she is. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what's not forgettable, and that's the, the knockout victory from Magomed Ekalayev over Iwan Kutilaba. Um, this was just um, this was just that striking clinic from Ekalayev, and he really left uh, no doubts about the results of the last fight. Uh, for those who don't remember, um, they, they fought back in back in the winter sometime, and, and Kutalaba got hit, and he was playing like a rope-a-dope, uh, and, and the referee wound up stopping. It was it was very weird, very strange finish. Um, they tried to rematch a couple of times, but there was an injury, there was COVID, there was all kinds of stuff. Um, so the fight fell apart a few times. Uh, and this time, Kutalaba fell apart when the fight happened. Uh, Ankulayev just, you know, stayed right in the pocket, managed to avoid getting hit by the big bombs of Kutalaba, who, you know, is a really scary striker at 205. And, um, uh, you know, Ankulayev just, you know, 
looked right down the barrel of the gun and, and fired back um, and, and, and got that first round knockout, put, put him unconscious. Uh, it was it was really impressive by Hank Eliab, who you know is is known for like the spinning attacks and, and stuff like that. <laughs> Mark says that Eliab was playing possum again, a very dead possum. <laughs> it's 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 funny too because like sometimes we'll be driving around and we'll see roadkill, and if it's a possum. Um, my wife will be like, oh, my God, you think he's dead? And I'm like, no, he's probably just playing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, um, uh, yeah, uh, no playing possum in this fight. Uh, he, he got knocked out in the first round. Very impressed by Uncle Ayaz, who, who showed, you know, he can throw some punches straight down the pipe as well, as well as those fancy spinning attacks that he's been comfortable for. Yeah, dude, I was impressed with Ankalaev, and he knocked out Kutalaba, you know, backing up. He kind of hit him with a check hook, and then uh, the left hand with another hook really dropped Kutalaba and just put him out. So really good performance from Ankalaev. And, uh, you know, Kutalaba, he's a tough guy. He'll be back in there, uh, you know, after he's done recovering. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that's a guy who's just – he's one of these guys that's just, like, born to fight. Oh yeah, you know, you know there there are athletic guys who can fight. Um, there are not so athletic guys who can learn to fight, and then there are guys who are just born to fight. And Yuan Kudalaba is one of those guys. Um, we'll just kind of breeze over the rest of this for the sake of time. Uh, Tai Tuivasa, you know, a late first round finish of, of Stefan Struve, um, and, and it was the dirty boxing man. It was. Um, that's really what did it. He was able to close the distance on the much taller Struve. And uh, one of the punches that hurt him the most, you know, these taller guys, um, and I experienced this a lot in the gym, Jeff, because, you know, I'm, I'm somewhat vertically challenged. And there's a lot of guys at the Muay Thai gym much taller than me. They like they like tying up the head in the clinch, tying up the head and arm. Um, but when you're shorter and you have leverage and you can, you can kind of like reach over the top, of that clinch or kind of get to the side a little bit. Um, you know, they don't have hands to defend themselves. It's, it's a lot of, it's a lot like what I talk about going for this, the single leg and hanging on to it for too long. You don't have the hands to, to defend yourself. It's the same thing. If you go to tie up somebody's head and you're not controlling both of their arms, uh, your arms are occupied and you can't defend punches to your face. And that's what happened with Tuivasa um, and Struve. Unfortunately, they did not let him, uh, drink beer out of a shoe. Um, very strict, um, I guess, COVID protocols there. <laughs> I don't imagine that would be in line with any protocols anywhere uh, in, in, this, in this scope of, of what's going on in the world. Um, but an impressive performance nonetheless. Um, and, you know, it still has... Uh, a lot of things to clean up in his game. Um, you, you know, we, we see when, what happens when he gets in there with the really technical strikers and he's not a, able to put them out of there with one big shot. Um, but I, I did see uh, some improvement. You know, we saw some strategy here. He closed the distance. He clinched up with Strew. Um, and, and he worked the dirty boxing really well. Um, any thoughts on this one, Jeff? I know you didn't catch a lot of the under guard here. 
yeah, I wasn't able to catch this one, but I think I'm definitely going to go back and watch it on the ESPN app uh, or the website. But yeah, dude, uh, Tai Tuivasa is a tough dude, so I'm really excited to go back and see how he handled the height differential between Stefan Struve and himself. I mean, um, you know, in Muay Thai, uh, Bill, the, the, like one of the few Muay Thai classes I took, I took like 10 Muay Thai classes really, really early on when I started training jiu-jitsu. And one thing that uh, Coach Liam taught me was if if someone clinches you in the plum, you and like you're sure of them, them like you said, you reach over, put your hand under their chin, and make them try to look up, and then that'll kind of relieve the pressure a little bit. I so I try to use that in jujitsu sometimes, like if we're standing. Um, yeah. But yeah, man, I mean, there's you know that's what's cool about Muay Thai is you always have options. Uh, so definitely, really interesting matchup. I'm definitely going to go back and check that out. Yeah, yeah, um, and, and great points as well. You you picked up uh, a lot in your in your ten Muay Thai lessons because um, and, and a lot of it does translate from jujitsu, especially in the clinch. Um, so yeah, uh, I I understand he went and trained at Daniel Cormier's uh, wrestling uh, team where he coaches high school wrestling. Um, so that's a good thing to do. Um, that's a good thing to do in general. You know, I, I've heard a lot of stories about Randy Couture. You know, at the peak of his career, he's going back and wrestling in high school wrestling rooms. And you would think, like, oh, but they're high school kids. Uh, well, you know, try being a 45-year-old man wrestling uh, a high schooler, uh, and, and you really see how good your cardio is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Try a hungry high school wrestler, you know, one of those guys who's, who's gunning for state positions, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, let's see. Uh, I'll just breeze over the rest of this. Casey Kenny unanimous decision over Nathaniel Wood. Uh, Alex Oliveira uh, gets submitted via guillotine by Shavkat Rachmanov, who remains undefeated. Dotwin Jung and Sam Alvey go to a split draw. Uh, Miranda Maverick, TKO Dr. Stoppage over Liana Joshua, and Joel Alvarez, first round arm bar over Alexander Yakovlev. Um, yeah, I know you didn't take in a lot of the other card, but do any of those results stand out to you, Jeff? Yeah, I, yeah, I think. I think I'm going to go back and check out uh, the Alex Oliveira fight, man. I didn't think the Cowboy would lose that one uh, to the newcomer, Rachmanov. But he's able to stay undefeated, so definitely somebody to check out and see what this guy can do. For sure. Um, great card overall. A lot of finishes. moved quick, like you said, and not just because there were so many finishes, but um, you know, just the action. It was a very entertaining card. I like that it was in the middle of the day. We're able to do this episode at night. Uh, again, I apologize for the background noise you may or may not be hearing here. Um, and, and we're right back in it next week, Jeff. On Halloween, October 31st, will be the last night we see the spider. Very fitting that the spider has his last ever fight on Halloween. Last fight in the UFC. Now, he was very clear about that in his interviews. He's like, this is going to be my last fight in the UFC. Um, you know, maybe I'm digging a little too deep into that, but UFC fight name 181, Uriah Hall and Anderson Silva. Uriah Hall is a guy who coming off the ultimate fighter 
you know, a lot of people were saying this guy's the next Anderson Silva because of the way, you know, he was doing things that people had never seen before. Um, you know, that spinning wheel kick knockout he had on the Ultimate Fighter is going to be a highlight forever. Um, so, give me your thoughts on this main event, this Halloween main event, Jeff. Bill, I'm excited for the card itself. It looks really entertaining. Uh, you got some big names on here, um, some good up-and-comers as well. But, Bill, you have to be concerned for Anderson Silva here. He's getting up there in years, and he has to fight Uriah Hall. Man, that's not the guy you want before you retire, man. Um, even if oh, – man, I mean, even if Anderson Silva had a fight scheduled after this, Uriah Hall might be able to make him retire even if Silva didn't have that planned. I mean, he's got some fantastic knockouts, a lot of power in both hands. Bill, we've seen this guy. Bill, is that you sneezing? The hell was that? No, it wasn't me. Okay. All right, Claudio. We must have been, uh, we must have been hacked. All right, gotcha. Um, but anyway, dude, Uriah Hall, very dangerous. Dude, we've seen him in we've seen him get mounted and then be able to punch himself out of the mount position. All right, so you got to be concerned for Anderson Silva here. All right, Claudia, bless you. Now stop that. Jeff says bless you, but stop. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, dude, I'm a little concerned for Anderson Silva here. I don't think, uh, you know, you don't want your Uriah Hall to be your retirement fight, man. Uh, but other than that, the rest of the card looks fantastic. You have Andre Feely versus Bryce Mitchell. Kevin Holland is in here. Uh, against uh, Mahmoud uh, Muradov, which, uh, who I assume is making his UFC debut. The name doesn't really ring a bell. Uh, you have Bobby Green versus Tiago Moises. That'll be a good one. Uh, yeah. yeah, you have Courtney Casey versus Priscilla Cachueta. Bill, uh, I'm, I'm liking this card, man. Yeah, it's a fun one. Uh, with the Anderson Silva thing, uh, you know, he knows how to protect himself in there. I don't, I don't expect him to go in there and get slept. And even if he does, uh, Anderson Silva is old school. I don't think he would mind passing the torch to someone like a Uriah Hall uh, who, who emulated him. And even Uriah Hall said, you know, I've always believed, you know, work until your your idols become your nemesis or something along those lines. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of respect here between these two. Uh, you know, the fact that Anderson wanted his last fight to be against this guy, um, you know, he either wants to make a statement or he wants to pass the torch because it's old school like that. Um, so I, I think it's a fun main event, very respectful between these two. And Anderson Silva, what can you say about the guy, man? I mean, you know, one of the most special talents we've ever seen in, in the history of this sport, um, you know, going back years and years. Um, the co-main event is very interesting, Jeff. Bryce Mitchell, who's... You know, a, a grappling phenom, 13-0. and 0. Uh, You know, he's got that twister submission, uh, only the second one in UFC history under his belt. Um, he, he seems to really like going for that. Uh, Andre Feely, really tough guy, UFC veteran. Um, you know, he's going to have a big edge in the stand-up, I think. But but Bryce Mitchell is one of these guys that's, that's so unusual on the ground, and he makes guys think about it so much. I mean, and even the way he gets the fight to the ground, can be pretty unusual. So that's a fun fight. Uh, Kevin Holland against Mahmoud Muradov. Uh, Muradov actually 2-0 in the UFC. Mm. Uh, coming off a knockout win in his last fight, I believe. Um, 
uh, an unusual country for fighters. He's from Uzbekistan. Um, so, yeah, and Kevin Holland, uh, you know, this guy seems to be fighting every other week. Um, yeah. uh, Bobby Green and Tiago Moises, like you said. Uh, Alexander Fernandez and Chris Grutzmacher uh, is a fun fight. Chris Grutzmacher is, is someone we haven't seen in a long time. Um, I, I can't remember the last time we saw him fight, so I'm going to look it up. It was April 2018 when he stopped Joe Lozon. Yeah, so uh, some of you may remember uh, Chris Grutzmacher from The Ultimate Fighter. Uh, he was, I believe, on the American Top Team versus Black Million season. Uh, I do not believe he is with American Top Team anymore. Uh, or I could have just made all of that up. I don't know if I'm thinking of the same person. Uh, uh, Dustin... Jacoby and Justin Ledeck is a, is a fun fight. Uh, yeah, yeah, this is going to be a fun one. Um, you know, if, uh, if the kids go trick-or-treating next week and get on a sugar high and go to bed early, this will be a fun fun little card for everybody to take in. Uh, I want to give a quick little shout-out to American here. Says he enjoys listening to the show. He really enjoyed Dan Tom, who's uh, a guest host two weeks ago, and from MMA Junkie uh, did an awesome job on the show. Of course, I expect nothing less. Fellow whiskey lover as well. Uh, so yeah, Dan, Dan's my boy. Of course, he did a job on the show. Um, yeah, Jeff, this is, a, this is a fun little card here. Uh, before we call it a wrap, because we're hitting that one hour mark. I, I usually don't get into MMA news, but here's something um, here's something that kind of came up in recent days that I thought was interesting. So Leon Edwards, going back and forth with the UFC brass, um, apparently turning a lot of fights down, trying to call his shot. Um, he, you know, he's coming off a unanimous decision over uh, Rafael Dos Anjos uh, a while back, something that... Um, you know, it doesn't carry as much cloud as it as it would have maybe four or five years ago. Um, you know, trying to call his shot a little too much with the UFC, and then you know, turning down fights, couldn't leave the country, a whole whole bunch of whole bunch of stuff going on there. So the UFC removed him from the rankings, and then he said, "Well, I guess I'll fight Chimaev." So now we have Leon Edwards fighting uh, Kamzat Chimaev, December twelfth, I believe. Um, I'm just curious, Jeff, what do you think about, um, you know, the way this whole thing played out? Obviously, you know, Leon was trying to try and call a shot and, you know, uh, overplayed his, his hand a little bit. Um, you know, I think he, he thought he had a little more leverage than he did. And, uh, you know, the business did what the business does and kind of threw their weight around with him a little bit. Uh, but we wound up getting a really fun fight out of it. So I'm not mad with the result. Maybe there was a little bullying going on by the UFC, but, um, you know, I think a lot of these fighters uh, need to realize how much pull they actually have with the organization here because uh, pretty much everyone is expendable, which is, you know, just a sad reality of it. But give me your thoughts, Jeff. Yeah, Bill, I'm not going to disagree with you there. I think that Leon Edwards kind of forgot where his bread is buttered, so to speak. 
Um, but yeah, dude. Um, yeah, I mean, Leon Edwards, you know, he's got a couple wins under his belt. But I mean, after what happened with Jorge Masvidal, the, the three piece and soda thing, I mean, you know, that that's that's a very memorable moment for Jorge Masvidal. And unfortunately, um, Leon Edwards was at the wrong end of that. So I don't know how much pull exactly the UFC was going to allow him to have. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, I think he, like you said, he overplayed his hand a little bit, kind of forgot where his bread is buttered and the UFC is going to remind him of that. Uh, you know, Chemaev definitely not somebody you want to cross paths with. Um, yeah, dude, uh, you got to feel for Leon Edwards a little bit, you know, maybe on the feet, he'll be okay. But, uh, I don't know, man. Uh, Chemaev is, we still don't know enough about his game just because of how quickly he's been finishing his opponents. Uh, we don't know too much about his game. So uh, unless Leon Edwards can find some tape on him from before he got into the UFC, uh, it might be a long night for him. Yeah, it, it's an interesting thing because, um, you know, Leon Edwards maybe tried to overplay his hand. Uh, Chamaya maybe trying to climb the ladder a little bit too fast. And, and cheers to Mark. Appreciate the birthday wishes, sir. Enjoy that beer. Um, so it seems like we have a main event where two guys kind of need a little bit of humbling and one of them is probably going to get it. So that's the interesting storyline to me. Uh, don't mind me here, Jeff. I'm just going to light up a cigar, uh, as we wrap this show up because, uh, you know, it's, it's my show. So I can do that. But yeah, the, the humbling is what's going to go on. Um, and you know, Fans, depending on which side of the fence they fall on, are going to see one guy want to get humbled or the other. What do you think about that? Yeah, um, you know, I think somebody's bubble is definitely going to get burst. I think, I think either of these fighters would benefit from that, man. Um, you know, Leon Edwards will realize, hey, you know, I can't just pick my fights; I have to please the UFC first. And Chimaev will realize this is the UFC. I gotta, I gotta bring my game too. So either way, I think we're going to have an awesome fight in December. Um, and you know, I, I'm excited for both of these guys to see, you know, who climbs the ladder. Cause if Leon Edwards wins, maybe the UFC will be like, you know what? You, you did well against a tough guy. Let's see how you do against Jorge Masvidal. We got the footage to build this one up and make some money for the both of you. So who knows? Yeah. I, I think it's actually going to benefit both of them. Um, and, and whoever wins, it's going to benefit them more. Um, uh, you know, it just fulfills like so many needs, like, you know, the, uh, a big critique of Leon Edwards is that he doesn't accept fights, but now he's accepting a fight with a guy that nobody wants to fight. Uh, so yeah, maybe Chamaya will realize that there's levels to this game or, or maybe he'll prove he's the real deal. I think it's a really interesting thing. It's probably the best possible scenario for Leon Edwards right now. Um, it's probably far down on his list of what he would have liked to have happen in his career right now. But, um, you know, I think it could work out for the best. Yeah, I agree. And I think that if you're Chemaev, I think that, uh, actually, I think if you're Leon Edwards too, I don't think anybody's stock goes down. Um, just because, um, you know, Edwards has taken a really tough fight here. Uh, like you said, nobody is it wants to fight Chimaev. Mm -hmm. So I think his stock goes up just uh, 
for doing that. And Chimaev's stock goes up either way because, uh, you know, if he loses, we get to see how he deals with adversity. If he wins, uh, he probably puts his name up in the rankings in the top 15. And same for Edwards. If he beats Chimaev, you know, he's making a huge statement. If he loses to Chimaev, he gets humbled a little bit, goes back to the drawing board. We get to see how he deals with adversity. So I think it's kind of a win-win here. Um, like you said, I don't know if it's what Edwards wanted, but it could be to his benefit here. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to next week's fights. I look forward to every fight, Jeff. Um, and, and I usually don't look so far into the future. Obviously, we'll have uh, we'll have more time in the coming weeks to break down the the, the technical aspects of that fight as as we do, you know, the week before, last minute, with all the all the research that we do uh, by <laughs> looking at the fight card and talking about it over drinks. Um, for anybody, any of you cigar heads out there, uh, I, I lit up enough nuance here. It's a, a single rose. So they have a line. The nuance line is like coffee, coffee infused. Um, so this one's like a light rose, like a cappuccino kind of vibe to it. Pairs very nicely with this walking stick 90 proof. Uh, so I'm going to continue pairing these and uh, cap off a very nice night before uh, enjoying another day at Disney World tomorrow at Epcot uh, with the family. Um Anything else you want to get off your chest, Jeff? Uh, no, you know, I think we had a great weekend of fights. I think that we're going to be in store for a great card next week as well. Uh, so, guys, everybody, have a great weekend. Bill, have an awesome birthday tomorrow, brother. Super excited for you. And for the missus as well, I hope she's having a great birthday weekend as well. Cheers, man. I appreciate that, Jeff. Um, I, hey, that can I... Can I sneak in here for just a second? <laughs> I just wanted to wish um, Bill here happy birthday. Thank you. My beautiful wife, ladies and gentlemen. Making a very rare cameo on the show. <laughs> She's also the producer of the show. Well, I mean, she sits with me and has a drink with me while I, while I post the show. So, yeah, I guess... Yeah, we'll call a producer. We'll give her that. We'll give her that all right. That's all we got, folks. I got some whiskey to drink. I got a cigar to finish. And uh, until next time. Oh, wait. MMA on the Rocks t-shirts. Our friends at, at Team Reaper. Reaper1.co. I'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, and grab, hoodies. Oh, yeah. And hoodies. You know, it's hoodie season. So, uh, you know, grab a hoodie that your girlfriend can steal from you. If you don't have a girlfriend, it's probably because you don't have a hoodie. Um, because they, <laughs> they like to steal those, as they all know. So get yourself a hoodie. You probably get yourself a girlfriend, and uh, you know the rest will work itself out. Uh, if you want to get a hold of Jeff, it's at Animal Underscore Wilson, uh, Twitter and Instagram. You guys know how to get a hold of me. It's at Man Rocks everywhere on social media, and that's all we got for this week, folks. Until next time. Cheers, everybody. Goodbye.